Hello, and thank you for joining us on It Is Written Canada. When I think of the words falsely accused, I think of two men in the Bible, Joseph, who was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife in Egypt, and Jesus, who was falsely accused of being a blasphemer and a lawbreaker. Both were innocent, but both were convicted of crimes they did not commit and were sent to jail. Both their stories speak to the reality of how the human justice system can be very unjust. Similarly, our guests today are Aaron and Zachary Simmons, who on one fateful day in February 2020, were on their way to visit their brother in Toronto. They had just left their parents' house and all of a sudden they were confronted with a swarm of police cars coming out of nowhere. Guns were aimed at them and they faced charges of second-degree murder. In a moment, we will hear their story. I just kept asking God what happened. What went wrong? One wrong move, that's, that's the end of it. Somebody made a very big mistake here, not those boys. God's always been able before, why not now? So Aaron and Zach, this is amazing that you are uh, willing to talk about this. We really just want to get into your mind and what was it like, right? So thank you for being here. Thank you for having us. So, Erin, I'm going to start with you. Can you take us back to that Tuesday afternoon and share with us what happened? Me and Zach were on our way back to Toronto for the week. We were both working out there. Um, we left a little bit later than we usually do. We were driving and we'd forgotten stuff. It's a, almost like a family trade. We forget a lot of things. Um, so we, we went back home and then we were on the road again. I didn't get to the highway yet. I was on the, the 115, about like 10, 10, 15 minutes away. When I pass an exit and I see a, a cop car, and I'm like, oh man, I hope I'm not speeding. I'm looking at my, my speedometer, I'm like, oh no, I'm, I'm fine. And then I see this, this SUV speeding up quickly behind us. As it gets closer, I'm like, oh, okay, that's the, that's the cop. That's the, the OPP officer. So maybe he's, he's going somewhere. Maybe I was speeding. I have no idea. So I, I just stay in my lane until he's right behind me and he's really close behind me, but no lights were going off. And my exit was coming up, so I, I went into the next lane. He pulled up slightly beside me and then his lights, and then he turned on his lights and we started pulling over. But because we had just gone off to our exit, we had pulled off to the side and he was driving weird behind us. I mean, obviously at that point, you're not thinking too much about how like an officer is doing what he does. So we're just waiting there for, for our ticket or whatever we're gonna get. When I hear over his loudspeaker, uh, roll down your windows. So I slightly, I turn my head and I look back and I see him in the middle of the exit with his gun drawn. So I roll down my window and he proceeds to ask us to, to do a bunch of other things like take off our seatbelt, throw our keys out the window, put our hands out the window, open the door wasn't too clear about some of the things because of the, the order in which he asked us, because he had asked me to get out of the car, but I hadn't taken off my seatbelt yet. You know, you just want to be thorough at that point because you don't want to get shot for a foolish reason. So he uh, asked him if I could. He's like, yeah, take it off and get out. 
hands up. He wants me to side, uh, side shuffle uh, into the middle of the street uh, and then walk backwards. I walk backwards for a few paces before he asked me to get on my knees and crawl backwards until I got to him. And then I was put in handcuffs and I was patted down and asked if I had anything on me. So now you got the handcuffs on. What did you see when you turn around? I see a lot. I see a lot of cops. I see a lot of cars, SUVs, trucks, vans. You hear dogs barking, you don't know where they are. Just a lot of commotion. And all you can really think is what could have possibly happened to have this many people from the place that doesn't have a huge population to bring out this many cops. But at that point, it's not even about like how you feel. It's just about how, how you react to the situation because like one wrong move is, that's, that's the end of it. And this whole time now, Zachary, you sitting in the, in the vehicle. Yeah, yeah. I was just trying to figure out like, okay, now we're in this, but like what's happening and how are we gonna get back to like what we were doing? You know, like how are we gonna get back to like on the road? I thought we were gonna be out of there in like the next 15, 20 minutes. They told me to get out and then face forwards and walk backwards. And then I heard like a lot of people saying a lot of different orders, you know, and like someone was telling me, stand there. Another person was telling me, get on my knees. Another person was telling me back up. And I was like, which one do I do? <laughs> You know, like I actually like, like there was just like a lot going on. I just was walking backwards. And then after, you know, a couple of steps, they told me to get on my knees. And I was like in a big puddle of snow, dirt, you know, all that. And I was like, I'm going somewhere. Like, you know, you're gonna mess with my pants. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking, but I was like, th like, this is a puddle. After that, they just- That put was the, the only part, that, at that point, that was the only point I was actually like, Oh, this could go really bad. What went through my mind when I first heard the news was impossible. Absolutely impossible. I had to fight with myself to be reasonable because of what I had to deal with the next day. So I tried to shut my mind off. But I, I, I think I slept for a few minutes, maybe half an hour. That night was extremely difficult. I'm trying to think if I actually did sleep or not. Um, I honestly can't remember. There were so many things going over in my mind. I'm trying to figure it out. <laughs> and I just kept asking God all night, okay, well, what happened? What went wrong? I, know, I knew then I just had to wait for the answer. I know there was an answer, but I know I had to wait for it. So I said, okay. It was rough though. We prepared ourselves to um, go to the court the next morning because we were told that they were supposed to be in court in order to be properly charged. Unfortunately, uh, as we drove down the, the, the driveway, we, we were stopped by the police. And um, we were detained for 15 minutes, could be more. They wouldn't give us a good answer. Why are we detained? When, when he told us um, that we couldn't go anywhere, I said, okay, then I'll just go back up to the house and sit down if I can't go anywhere. He says, no, you have to stay here. So we sat there and he was asking questions and stuff like that. And I was 
trying to answer, but I was trying to figure out where are you going with all these questions? And he wouldn't give me a good answer. So I said, when I won't answer any more questions, why should I be answering your questions and you're not answering mine? So you were looking forward to going to your brother in Toronto to spend time with your nephew and the next minute you guys are arrested and in jail? Yeah. So when did you see your parents? When was the first time you saw your parents? It was, how many hours later? Once we finally got to the, the precinct we'd be staying at, we were there for about eight hours. Um, then we were transported to the courts where that was the first time we got to see our parents. So that was the next day? It was, yeah, the next day. Yeah. We sat there until back and forth he, he decided after he got, I think maybe um, from a super, uh, superior that um, it was okay to let us go. He came back and he says, you, you, you're free to go. Okay. So we took off to court and that's when we first saw the boys. Um, we were allowed to go to the back um, to see them before they actually come into court. And um, that's when it kind of got teary. So when you saw them, what, what went through your mind? Was it an emotional thing? It was very emotional. I think that was, like, that was the point we actually allowed ourselves to realize our full situation. Because up to this point, it's been a lot of reaction. But yeah, I know this was the first time that I was able to realize how much pain it was, it was doing to, to me and my family. Aaron was the first one to be brought in. We had to wait a few minutes and I, I heard shackles and he came in, he looked at me and he lost his composure. He burst into tears and when he was able to speak, his question was, how is Zach? Then we were able to see Zach, same scenario, shackles, and then he appeared and he had his head down and I told him to lift his head up. And he did and he looked at me and he burst into tears as well and he asked me, how is Aaron? It's not like when they're little and they fall down and they get hurt and you can just pick them up. I, I couldn't touch them. I, I, we were completely blocked from each other. You know, just a glass was separating us. And I knew that if I showed any kind of weakness that it wouldn't be good for them. And I really needed them to stay strong because we had absolutely no idea what we were dealing with. I thought my job was to help them to be strong. And I was just trying to help them out to allow their minds to go somewhere else and just be patient um, because it'll be over soon. Uh, that's all I could give. We couldn't ask them any questions. Our conversation was supposed to be everything but this big problem that we're facing. And how do you do that? Because <laughs> you want... Um, you want answers. You want the answers right there and then. And you can only you can only look in the eyes to find the answers. But I knew, I knew as soon as I saw them, I knew that we had to fight tooth and nail for them because they didn't know what was going on. 
the main thing was the most important thing was that we had to start praying like never before. Murder, not murder. That was way too grave. That was way too serious. Aaron, Zach, no, there's gotta be a mistake here. There's somebody made a very big mistake here. Not those two, not those boys. I'm Carol Perry, and this is my husband. Uh, Phineas Perry, and uh, we are friends of the Simmons. When we met the family, uh, they were in elementary, and they were like brothers to our daughters. It felt like they were our kids as well. I remember I was driving on the 401, exiting onto Young Street, so I was just on the ramp, and I got a call from uh, Dave Lawrence, he's a family friend as well. Did you hear about the boys? I'm like, hear what? And said, Zach and Aaron are in for second degree murder. I was gonna laugh, but right away he said, hey, this is not a joke. That hit me. Aaron and Zach are in jail for second, second degree murder. Those words, you can't put those words in a sentence with those boys' names. It was hard, it was hard. I remember just falling apart and my kids just crying and my husband just went to grab them and we just hugged. The gravity of it all again was the fact that they were still inside. You're like, they're still inside? <laughs> By now they should have found out the truth. Um, I mean, but yeah. see, the, those are the, the, the wheels of justice. They, they take their time, you know, but they were still inside. Just one night, one day in jail, it's, it's, it's like eternity. Now, two weeks, and second degree is gonna be something like 10 years? Because when are they gonna clear them? When are they gonna say, oh, sorry, we made a mistake, mm -hmm. you know? Are they warm? Are they eating? Who's there? Who's talking to them? Can they get phone calls? Can somebody, just somebody, can somebody be there for them? When you don't even have the means to fix anything, you're powerless, that's, that's what's the hardest, yeah. Sorry, sorry. So, so sorry. I just, I always, I hate crying. I dislike it. The Bible tells us that there'll be no more tears, no more sorrow. I look forward to that. How long were you were you there for? Mm -hmm. In three, three, weeks. three weeks, almost four weeks. Yeah. I feel like I kind of like just like blocked a lot of it out of my mind. Most of the time, I just spent in my head a lot of reading, a lot of push-ups. There's not much 
to do right. in, in jail. So you tend to to do the things you know. So read the definitely read the Bible a lot. Uh, start working out more because I know my dad would get on me if I wasn't. Um, we started playing chess, Scrabble. Definitely started talking to people. You know, just trying to make the best of a, a bad situation. You just want to mm -hmm. understand. You see a lot. You you hear a lot. It's about finding that balance between not being an outlier and not getting involved with something you wouldn't do on the outside because people definitely lose themselves. So much goes on. Even if you're not involved, you're either gonna have to defend yourself or you're gonna have to do something for someone else to retain your position. It's very political in there. There's a lot of people that must be appeased. You see what you can deal with, how much you can handle. When you look at what's going on in the world around you, when we see what's happening in the media, it was terrifying. It really, really was terrifying. And at that point in time, as bad as things seemed, I was just really thankful that they were alive and they could speak. They knew who we were. And even though we couldn't hug them, we couldn't talk about you know what was going on, they were still whole. And we were grateful for that because it could have been so much worse. I went to the closet and I thought, I said, Lord, they need me to be strong. And I knelt there and I was just in complete tears, just bawling. Not, this, is, this wasn't crying, just, this was just bawling. And just asking, what is going on? Give me an answer. And as I was there crying, 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 I hear this voice in my head saying, what are you doing? You asked me for an experience and I'm giving it to you. This is one of the things that Hollis and I, we always pray for, you know, that God will always lead our, our kids into experiences that will draw them to him. That has always been our prayer is, Lord, give them experiences that will draw them closer to you. And so as, as, I, as I heard the voice, I got up and I said, what am I doing? And I quickly went to the face basin and I washed my face and I said, okay. I said, I understand. I said, okay, I know what you're doing. I got it. And I, I was able to share with Hollis. I said, I see what God is doing. We pray for something. And this is what we're getting. So I said, you know, we just have to be strong through this. It's gonna be all right. Not sure when yet, but it will be. When I went to the, 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 the news story of it on, on, on the internet, they were showing uh, a car. And right there, then and then, I, I saw the mistake because that's not Aaron's car. Aaron has a smaller car, it's a hatchback. And that car was a bigger car. I'm like, there's the mistake. I, I, right away I concluded that, that that's the mistake. It's, it's not Aaron's car. That's where they, they made the mistake. We were able to get bail for the boys, but um, they were not allowed to be together. So we had to have Aaron housed 
in a separate home. So it was a pretty exhausting month, you know, trying to make sure that they got time, you know, after being separated so traumatically, time with us. Somebody always had to be with Zachary. In this age of technology where, you know, they're always on laptops, always on phones, they could have none of that, you know, everything had to be monitored and, you know, it was like just peeking over their shoulder. So it was very tiring for us and, and frustrating for, for Zach, mm -hmm. especially. Yeah, it was. It was. But thank God they cope. <laughs> yeah, they got through it. Lots of prayers. Once the charges finally were dropped and um, you were free, how did you, how did you feel? It's time to get back to to regular real life. Honestly, that's like that's the entire time. I was just I just want to be like everything to be normal. Yeah, just try and try and bury it. So move on. Yeah. Yeah. Try to. We'll try to try move to, on. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It still happened. Still think about it. There's so many. Like so much happened that you kind of. There's a lot to reflect on and try and piece together and make understanding of even if there is none. In every situation, we really don't know what the lesson is from this, but we know that in everything that you go through, there is a lesson. So one day maybe we'll get to find out why my boys, yes, my boys, <laughs> my boys had to go through this. But right now, we don't know. All we know is there are moments when God just has to show himself to you. And when he does it, you cannot doubt it. You can never say, oh yeah, I had a good lawyer. Yes, they did a good job. I, I'm not going to take that away from them. But there's higher power in everything that we go through. God just did show his face. You know, one of the things that we, we, we did when we met with the lawyers and though I, I we heard good things about the lawyers and that they were good lawyers excellent things um when we met with them i i asked them if we could pray and we prayed and that god will you know guide them through all of this the way in which things turn out i think i think they were even puzzled themselves how it actually all turned out but you know we are we realize and we understand that it was more than just good lawyers. It was just the power of God working. And it was just the most amazing thing, you know, to see how God works. I just remember them walking through the doors, Aaron with his big goofy smile and Zach just being Zach, you know. Mr. Cool, you know, this didn't do anything to me kind of look. But knowing that, you know, he's a child, a lot went through, it, it, it was, you know, you just say, you know, God, you're just amazing. You know, the way you work is just amazing. Seeing them walk through, <laughs> through those doors was just, it was just everything. It was a really tough time that we were going through, but through it all, you know, I, I, I know that God was able. 
I, I know he was able to do something, to change something. He's always been able before. Why not now? God is able. God is able. God is able and he he won't fail. God is able. God is able. God is able and he he won't fail. Tell me who can make a mountain move out of my way, and who can make a miracle because of my faith. So when the doctor says no, who can still say yes, and when I trouble who's right there to help me pass every test God is able God is able God is able and he won't he won't fail tell me who can make a river out of a little stream and who can tell the clouds to roll back so that the sun can look at me and who can tell the wind to whistle through the trees and when I'm in trouble who's that same God that will come down and rescue me God God is able, God is able, and he won't, he won't fail, no, he won't fail, he won't fail, oh, no, 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 don't you dare give up, don't you dare give up. forsake you no he won't fail he'll be there 
God won't, he won't fail. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to watch a video of this podcast, please visit iiw.ca or you can go to our IIW Canada YouTube channel and click on the videos tab. Once again, thank you so much for listening.